This is Tony with Fuller Brown. And this is Grecia. And we want to welcome you all back to another uh, fresh episode for you all. And we have a very special guest here that we're super excited to have. And um, Mr. Edward Martel, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank you, Tony. And thank you, Grecia. Uh, very, very happy to be here and very thankful for the invite. Yes, no, for sure. No, we're the grateful ones. Yeah. And uh, so we were hearing your story. And like I was telling you off air, like I was so um, I was really intrigued by your story. And I th actually thought you were not going to you were not going to come on this show because it's such a big national news story that I was like, I'm pretty sure he's tired of like giving interviews and yeah. like tired of talking about it. So, <laughs> uh, so thank you for coming on. I know you have a very busy schedule for sure. No, and, you know, our schedule is always busy between the, you know, obviously sharing the story. And then, I mean, I'm a lawyer. And not only that, you know, I work uh, in, a, in a, a firm full of trial attorneys. So we're not, um, and no disrespect to my colleagues mm -hmm. uh, that are non-trial attorneys, but trial attorneys are very busy, right? I mean, we're constantly, we love being in the courtroom, right? We're about trial advocacy. So yeah. it's, a different, it's different than, um, how can I say, transactional attorneys, Okay, mm. but you know, as as I mentioned earlier, you know, it, you can never share a story too many times, and I'll tell you why. Because you never know who it's going to affect in what way, right? And when yes. you know, we'll get more into it. But when the judge essentially gave me an opportunity, and I often sometimes say saved me or spared my life, you know, he asked me, it, not that particular time, but at a later date, you know, Ed, you don't owe me anything. All I ask of you is just pay it forward. Right. Yes. I mean, and even from a spiritual aspect, you know, from a from a faith based perspective, my job is just to testify, share my story. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's what it's always been about. So if I can keep one young man out of prison on and that's just one part of it. What if I can inspire their parent to shoot for the stars? I mean, I'm 43. I just became a lawyer. Yeah. What if I can inspire somebody who's, you know, dealing with some type of impairment or disability to, you know, try to overcome that. Whatever it is that I can do by sharing my story, I'm going to do it. So I'm here and I appreciate you. No, and we, we appreciate you yes. wanting to share this story. And just, I mean, Tony, Tony brought you to my attention. And that's when, you know, I did my little research about you. And I was just like, wow, like, this is amazing. Like, this is how you know that. You just never know what God has has for you. Um, and so that that's just it, it's just amazing. Yeah. And it keeps my faith growing because I'm just like it, it just it just brings a very wow moment. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just um, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're here sharing your story. And just your judge told you, you know, just pushing it forward, paying it forward to others, because you can help somebody that right now that's. I don't know, 19, 20, even younger than that, because yeah. it starts at such a young age. And if you can, we don't know who's, you never know who's listening. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, if somebody, if somebody at a young age is listening to this, it's just, it could, it could help them out so much. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, please. No, I was going to say, yeah. And I feel like people will understand more once they start hearing your, your, uh, if I could call it testimony, your, your walk of your life so far, I feel like people would understand more. Um, so if you feel free, go ahead and introduce yourself to people that may may not have heard your story. You know, give them your name and a little bit of where you're from. That way they can kind of catch up with us. So my name is uh, Edward uh, Martel. Edward Diaz Martel as far as surname. Um, third generation Chicano, Mexican-American. Uh, my family is from southwest Detroit by way of uh, Texas, northern Mexico, Texas. Um, again, third generation. My grandfather worked in the fields, right? And so I always tell people that I really, I say that to provide context of my work ethic, mm-hmm. right? And even when I wasn't doing right, I've always had a strong work ethic, you know? And I'm going to go a little bit more in depth than I may have with other, you know, interviews because it's really about feeling at home with your interviewer, right? Yes. But some of my earliest, you know, my grandfather used to pay us 10 cents, 25 cents to pick weeds in his garden. I mean, this is, the, you know, this is the type of work ethic I grew up on, you know, yeah. um, newspaper, things of like that, you know, but I grew up in a neighborhood on the outskirts of Detroit here. You know, I'll just be honest, you know, some of my early role models, they drove big rims, old school cars. They listened to loud music mm. and, you know, obviously street commerce and I, you know, just utilize that term was not taboo. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I was raised by a mother. Proud Latina woman, um, single parent. Um, my father was around when I was early, when in my early age, but I didn't see him for most of my childhood. And really, really we just connected again recently. That's a whole nother hour story. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I dealt with many of the same issues that a lot of young men and women that look like me and you deal with. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you when you don't have a, a, one of the parents in the house, but for a, for a young man, when you don't have a father in the house, you know, you're dealing with a whole bunch of different issues. You know, you're dealing with some type of rejection issue. You're dealing with, you know, lack of uh, discipline, lack of guidance, lack of instruction. I mean, my family didn't go to college. My family didn't go, you know, the ones that had money in my family and I love them to death, but they worked at the plant. That's what that's what Detroit's known for. It's the automotive city, right? Yeah. And so they worked at the, in, in the, at the auto plants. Um, and those were the ones that were doing well, you know. Um, in an early age, my first interaction with the criminal justice system, and I probably you probably haven't heard this story either, was my uncle was on trial, oh. and my mother she came and got me out of out of school one day, and you know we went up there to the court. I didn't have a clue what was going on. You know, ultimately he was convicted. I feel you know his representation was um, less than what I would have given him. I'll say that. You know, and how old um, are you? It was, it was, it was, I was 12. It was, oh. he was a public, it was a public defender. Mm. Um, it was a one witness case, just a couple hours. Ultimately, they gave him seven years in prison. And I still remember him calling me because he used to live with us, you know, it's for, for quite some time when I was young. I, he'd call home, talk to my mom, and, you know, I, 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 I talked to him. He'd say, Eddie, don't ever come to this place. You don't ever want to come to this place. You know, and as much as he told me that, I didn't, you know, by 13, I was, that was my first felony arrest. So obviously in one ear and out the other, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes the temptations of the streets are just too much. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. again, when everybody else is 
peer pressure is a bit, always a big issue. But, you know, uh, by 13, first felony arrest. By 15, my first uh, incarceration. I was incarcerated in the Wayne County Youth Home right here in Detroit, Michigan. It wasn't a pretty place. Um, as a matter of fact, it was a nasty place. I was happy to come home, but when I came home, you know, I was hard-headed. I mm. out of school shortly thereafter. At some point in that time, you know, I, I went from, you know, flirting with, you know, street commerce and that life to leaving the home and being fully submerged in the game, as I would say. Right. Okay. I, and that was kind of like, I had to be between 15 and 17. And after that, there was no looking back. So I thought, right? Right. Um, you know, I for the next decade was in and out of jail. I mean, I was, I was, uh, you know, as I, as I, and I never want to brag or glamorize that particular lifestyle because I don't want some young man to watching this show to be like, well, you know, I can do it better than him. That's mm -hmm. what all of us think. That's what we all think. Trust me. Mm -hmm. You know, you know how many hundreds of thousands of, of young men are incarcerated for drug crimes right now in prisons, can't see their family, can't see their sons. And many of us have come home and tried to do it again better the next time. Mm. It's yeah. not a it's not a it's not doing it better the next time. It's doing it a better way, right, or a different way. See, and so the next decade, you know, again, I I, I was I guess you could say a rising star. Um, you know, establishing myself, um, going through the ranks as far as I wasn't doing bad financially, but I was doing bad emotionally. I was doing bad spiritually. I mean, I often tell folks that I spoke in the church the other day, if you've ever heard the story of uh, Lazarus, the one that, that, that was raised from the dead, I mean, I was dead out here. You know, I was dead spiritually. I, I mean, I knew of him, but I didn't know him. Mm -hmm. You know, I was dead uh, civically. I didn't I didn't have, a, I didn't even get a license till 26. I was out here driving around <laughs> with, you know, three, four, five cars and didn't even have a driver's license. Wow. Right? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was dead and I, I was nearly dead physically, you know? And I have battle wounds to prove it. But the moral of the story is I was living the wrong lifestyle. And, you know, I was going in and out of there, trips. Um, I went from living in the motels to, you know, buying up a few houses in the neighborhood. And I was still headed in the wrong direction, but trying to change a little bit, you know, flirting with, um, you know, trying to, shift into some type of normalcy, et cetera. In 2005, I was 27 years old. So by that time, many people are coming out of college. They're starting their profession. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're pretty, I was set my ways. You know, at 27, you know, you what you were doing at 27 is likely what you're doing now. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, as I look back and I, I think about it, you know, going into this professional world, I see two or three generations of lawyers, judges, you know, some of the communities where I'm, where like the community where I'm from, you see two or three generations of auto workers or construction, ciders, rippers, et cetera. You know, the community I lived in, you had two or three generations of generational incarceration. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if people know what the heck that is. Yeah. But that's a phenomenon and it needs to be dealt with. Separate issue. 27, I get caught in the drug sting operation. I was the center of that drug sting operation. Um, crack cocaine. Um, it was a blessing. I often tell people I blessed up and caught a case. I don't even, I don't, I don't know what else to say because it was, it was a blessing. 
Right. 27 years old, I was caught a drug, I was caught in a drug scene operation. I go in front of this judge, <clears throat> and I knew something was different about the judge. I gotta tell you about the judge, because he, you know, he makes the story. Yeah. So I knew something was different about a judge when I walked into his courtroom. And he has all of this, you know, this these art these paintings and artwork, and it's just like, you know, nothing you'd expect to see in a courtroom, you know, it just kind of moves you and you know, like music and different type of, you know, paintings. I'm like, man, what's going on here? And so then I'm, I'm watching him and, you know, he's uh, dealing with defendants, but dealing with them like people, you know, mm. and talking to them. And, you know, you don't have to take this plea just because you're guilty in the eyes of God don't mean you're guilty in the eyes of the law. And I'm like, whoa, you know, this guy's different, right? Mm, yeah. And so I go in front of him and ultimately he lets me out on bond. Wow. And I'm like, okay, you know, he's going to give me a chance. And I wanted to do right. Don't get me wrong. I wanted to do right. I've never been a bad man. Yeah. Essentially, you know, in law, we have two different concepts. There's crimes that are malaprohibitive, meaning they're prohibited by law, like marijuana, right? Okay. And then there's crimes that are mela and say, like they're just inherently bad, right? Right. Rape, murder, things like that. I've never been a guy that's been on that mela and say trap. Yes, I made decisions that were wrong, but I've never been evil at heart. My mother raised me in the faith. And I know I knew right from wrong every time I was doing it. You know, part of my fear of this next generation is I don't think so. sometimes everybody know right from wrong, right? Mm. But anybody, you know, going back to it, I, I knew what I was doing was wrong. You know, and my mother would often remind me, you know, call me up like, Eddie, you need to get your life together and et cetera, et cetera, you know. I mean, all of that plays a part in my transformation. You know, I'm thankful, and I get to the end with the thankless, but always thankful to moms, right? Yeah. But 2005, just let's me out on bond. <clears throat> I want to do right. I get out, start looking for jobs. I'm out on bond. I've still got this case 20 years. I'm facing up to 20 years, hanging over my head. And, you know, I'm going to different lawyers. You know, different lawyers tell you different things. You're going to do two years. You're going to do five years. Or you can do up to 20 and you know, you don't know who to believe, right? Right. Um, and it's just so much pressure, you know what I mean? And, you know, ultimately, I was doing well, got a job. I got a job where the only place they would hire people in my similar situation. You know, I got a job with all the other parolees, you know, probationers and, you know, pending convicted felons. So I got a job digging fence post holes, 42-inch fence post holes. And if we were in short, we had to go back and dig that in, right? Oh. See, this goes, I don't mind saying that because this goes to my work ethic. Yeah. I learned how to work with these hands. You know, I look at a lot of other professionals, not just lawyers, politicians, et cetera. And, you know, it, and, I, and I'm not knocking anybody, but you can't tell me you support the working class if you've never had to work Mm-hmm. on these hands. Yeah. Yes. But that's a whole nother story. Right. Yes. Listen, so I'm out on bond, right? I'm out on bond. And I'm doing right, working every day. I'm getting my $7.50. And, you know, I'm going through a season of hot and ready's and I'm I'm hating it. Let's be honest. You know, I just went from, you know, the, you know, from 100 to zero in my right. mind mm-hmm. at that right. point. Because I didn't realize it was a blessing yet, right? I'm like, man. So then, um, I fall back in with my with my little crew one night. You know, I forget whose birthday it was, but it wasn't, you know, 24, 48 hours. And somehow I got caught in another 
um, situation where, you know, there was a there was a, a proposed deal set up, etc. Anyway, the day before my mother's birthday, July 20th, 2005, I was out for about four, three, four months. I got caught in a second sting operation. Oh. Same type, yeah, same, different, different jurisdiction, same situation, back in front of the judge for a second delivery of crack cocaine. Oh. And that's, you know, and that's when I'm sitting in jail on the floor, you know, like lower. Move that mountain, right? Yeah. All right. I'm not cracking jokes on the Lord because I ain't going to mock the Lord. But, man, I was like, for real, flat on my face. Like, man, this is it. Like, I'm really headed up to the penitentiary, yeah. you know? And the jail's not nice out here. It's not pretty. I mean, it's nothing to joke about. Arguably, it may be worse than the prison, right? Mm-hmm. right. I mean, it's nowhere you want to be, man. So I'm before the judge. Sorry, I just had a, a kind of a... I don't want to use the word PTSD, but I had a, a bad flashback. I, I saw that, so, yeah. Yeah, so long story short, back in front of the judge, 2005, waiting on, I'm, I'm in the jail, waiting on the court date, you know, in there, you know, mom's mom sending me prayers, you know, say this a hundred times, say this, you know, recite this, and, you know, this affirmative type stuff to keep me lifted, right. you know, because you can really, you know, get into a, 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 a like a depths of despair type situation up in there. I mean, you can flush yourself mentally before you even see the judge. I mean, mm-hmm. man, you, you know, you gotta you gotta hang in there, right? And ultimately came before the judge, and you know, he could have gave me up to 20, and he instead he imposed a three-year probationary sanction. Wow. A three-year, and you have to remember, Tony, this was 20 years, this was nearly 20 years ago. This wasn't popular at the time. Right. Right. I mean, that was in the in the heart, in the midst of the war on drugs. Right. Right. I mean, they're flushing my they're flushing guys before and after me. Not this judge wasn't, but you understand, like we're in this, we're in this cell block, and not all of us go to the same judge. Right? They got this thing called blind draw. You got a blind draw and go to different judges, and you're all going to this huge building, we're all lined up in the basement, but we're getting shipped to different courtrooms. Mm-hmm. Right. So some of the guys coming back. They're not. They're going to the penitentiary. Mm-hmm. Here I am. I'm getting. I got charged with something worse than them. I was facing up to 20 years on two charges. Oh and this wasn't my first time in front of the judge. Right. By 27, I have been pretty much in front of every district court judge in my county, except for a couple of the prominent communities, which I knew not to go to. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying, right? And so, you know, I, I wasn't new to the game. You know, I had been to the felony court. I had been in district court a number of times, you know, and, and I had been in the felony court at least a handful of times, but had kind of maneuvered or negotiated with the advent of a retained counsel, a non-felony conviction and therefore a non-penitentiary sanction. Um, a little bit of legalese, a little bit of legalese, but yeah. basically I cop pleas and spent money on an attorney to stay out of prison Yeah, previously. Wow. But on this one, I really deserved prison. Right. It was, I should have been flushed, especially after I, you know, most judges would have said, you're making a fool of me. Have a nice day. Right. You know, but he didn't. And ultimately he gave me a challenge coupled with that sanction. He said, Martel, he said, man, you don't have to be out here selling drugs to, to your people. He was like, I dare you. I challenge you. Be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company instead of out here selling drugs. And I thought to myself, 
You know, and I had on this fancy suit, I remember, right? And now I wear a suit every day, but back then I only would go get a nice suit for court. But it was like, it was like, it was like so fancy. It was like not professional at all. I had like all gold with like brown pants. It was like something you see out of the movie, right? Like I don't know what I was thinking, right? But I just thought it was so, it was it was 100% Detroit fashion. Oh. (laughs) Did you get a picture? Man, I, I, I'm sure I got some pictures. I'm sure I could send you one. But it was 100% Detroit fashion. And I walked in the courtroom and I used to love dressing up for court. But I hated knowing that I was going to go to jail when I went. Yeah, right? you look good when you were frightened. Possibly going to jail. Right. You know, so ultimately he issued, <laughs> he issued the sanction. And again, man, I wanted to do right, but I didn't know how to do right. You know, I had been the black sheep of the family for so long. Mm-hmm. My family wouldn't even gamble on me. I mean, I, I wasn't the type of person to, like, steal from my family or anything like that. And ultimately, even at times, I was the, you know, a primary, you know, financial provider. Mm-hmm. But as far as trust me to go get a job, no, yeah. that wasn't going to happen. I mean, I, was, I wasn't that guy, right? I mean, I had a job. I was who I was. Right. You know, think about this. When you meet somebody, what's the first thing they ask you? What do you do? Yep. Right. What do that you do? And I was what I was, you know? I mean, I, at that point, I think I had a few rental properties, et cetera, but I was who I was, mm-hmm. you know? So I get out of jail. I wanted to get a job just to satisfy the PO. I, I start, you know, making my rounds, temp service. I think I even went back to the fence company for a minute. Man, God, I got so desperate. I was delivering pizzas, ice cream truck. I mean, anything to stay out of jail because you got to satisfy that PO. Right. Okay. But I got frustrated. I said, man, I know God got something bigger for me. I'm not supposed to be out here selling crack to my people. I know something is better out here. Right. Right. So I eventually, um, I went to CDL truck driving school. Okay. You know, and this is something that's not often discussed because, I mean, they only got, you know, a couple paragraphs in the newspaper. Uh-huh. You got to have a show like this to really get to the meat and potatoes. Yes. Right? Yeah, definitely. So I went to truck driver training school. And, you know, it's funny because I had I was in a class of like probably 10. But that was the first time I was the valedictorian. Uh. <laughs> hey, that's no, a proud moment. No, yeah. And I say that jokingly now because I was so darn proud. And I'm like, I, I, got, that, I got that around here somewhere. I would the too. certificate valedictorian of you know, suburban truck driving school. Yeah. But anyway, ultimately, my dreams were soon crushed when I got my CDLA class A and realized I wasn't bondable, wasn't hireable because of my drug conviction. Nobody wanted to send my field, you know, with, with street commerce. Yeah. Understandably, understandably. But and I even think things have changed now towards that. It's more relaxed, right? Again, we're talking about 15 years ago. Yeah. There wasn't all these programs and everything. So people might look up and say, you know, Ed Martell did it, but, you know, people pulled him along the way. I I have a support system, mm-hmm. right? But these are people which I've encountered individually. I said family, which I've encountered individually, and we've loved on each other to the point where I have a support system now. They're part of my village, and I love them to death, and I appreciate them. But there was no organizations, right, mm-hmm. or open arms to carve out to say, Come on, Ed, we got you. Let me show you how to go from the streets, you know, to, yeah. the, to, to, to the world. Yeah. There wasn't. So I was trial and error, and it took a long, darn time, but we made it, baby. Um, right. Yes, sir. So, so, you know, ultimately got, the, got, the, uh, got denied 
are rejected from this from this truck driver uh, program. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, not from the program, but from employment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest right now. I'm a, I'm a licensed attorney, licensed to practice law in the state of Michigan. But if I went and filled out a McDonald's application, I wouldn't get a phone call. I'm telling you I wouldn't. Wow. I'm telling you I wouldn't. You know? And so, I'm again, I'm looking for jobs. They're, they're not, I'm not getting any calls. I'm getting rejected from the, from the truck driver piece. Ultimately, man, I, I got so frustrated. I walked into the community college. They're like, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> and they laughed at me the same way I'm smiling right now. They're like, <laughs> you know, a lawyer, you're a convicted felon. I said, but you know, this well, you have to be confident in yourself, man. Right. I said, well, I'll tell you what. They wanted me to take heating and cooling classes. And it makes sense. It makes perfect sense because it's a trade and you'll go right to work. Maybe even in retrospect, I might have did that and then pursued law after I got my trade. Right. right? So when the struggled while I was, you know, pursuing my profession. But I told him, I said, look, let's make a deal. You let me take a couple, you know, prerequisites. And if I do well, then let me take the pre-law track. And that's exactly what happened. Did a cut about two semesters. I got all A's. Within three years, I graduated summa cum laude with a associate of arts from Wayne County Community College, one of the largest counties in the, in the country. And, you know, at that point, I, I was proud of myself. You know, at the whole time, I'm keeping contact with the judge, letting them know, you know, yeah, I'm doing well. I, I'd often go sit in there and watch his court, man, because mm-hmm. I just love watching them. Yeah. You know, it's pretty interesting character. But, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I wanted, I, I thought I would, with this degree, you know, seek employment as a paralegal and then maybe down the road see what happened. I, I got smacked in the face with reality. You can't, it's hard to get a paralegal job unless you have a relationship. Mm. I knew zero professionals, zero. Black, Latin, black, white, or Latino. I didn't know anybody wearing a suit, you know? And that goes, and, I, and I'll side note that, that goes and speaks to mentorship. Mm-hmm. We need to pull people up with us, man. We can't just be out here chasing our dreams. Right. Forget about everybody around us, man. Yeah. You know? And we're going to talk about that later when I get to the end of the story. Okay. So that drove me. How can I say that pain turned into, was turned into passion, right. you know? And ultimately, I applied for a um, scholarship at, at, the, at the university out here. University of Trade Mercy is one of the largest Jesuit private institutions in Michigan very well respected, you know, and, and it took about probably like two or three weeks. And I uh, was awarded a full academic scholarship for wow. the remainder of my master's degree. Ooh. I went up there. Yeah, I, man, I was a blessing. Like I was running around like, hey, you know, <laughs> I, went too. I went up there, man, and it was a real culture shock. And I'll tell you, it's in the heart of Detroit. But, you know, again, it's one it's, it's one of the, um, you know, prominent private Jesuit institutions. And, you know, I'm willing to bet that most of the students aren't from within the city of Detroit, mm-hmm. if you're with me. Yeah. Okay. So I'm barely making, I'm barely finding gas money to get to school. I'm pulling up and seeing Benzos and Porsches. And I'm like, man, you know, it's kind of just a culture shock, like shock when I get in there, you know, I'm not, I'm, you got to remember, I wasn't that far removed from the streets, yeah. at least not from a socioeconomic standpoint, mm-hmm. you know? So my first year, was more of an adjustment year. Yeah. I didn't talk much, and I'm a talkative guy. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't talk much. I just watched and listened, right? Yeah. Until I felt comfortable enough and, and I started performing enough to prove myself, right? 
So I'm picking up A's, picking up A's, kind of taking a leadership role at this point. In the, in the community college, it's more of a, you know, again, it's like a prerequisite program, mm-hmm. right? It might give you a little bit of a professional track, but not really. Yeah. Once you get to undergrad, it's more pointed or targeted. Right. right? So, you know, I, by the end of my um, bachelor's degree, I knew I was going to be a lawyer. I didn't know how. I didn't know when. I didn't know, you know, how God was going to kick in the door. I, I mean, I, I could have moved to Oklahoma. I was looking at other states. I was looking at Texas. I was looking at D.C. You know, because this it goes by state to state. Oh. Every state has different rules right. for what for what it takes to become an attorney. What is the requirement? Right. Some are five years since your last conviction. Some are three. Some are ten. Some are, are probably never. <laughs> and then there's these ones like Michigan. And, you know, with all due respect, it's whenever you re- possess requisite and current good moral character. Wow. So what does that mean? Right? That means, and I'll tell you what it means, because now I know it's our is the applicant's burden to prove it. Right. And you have to do it. You can't just show up at the table and say, hey, I graduated. I ain't been in jail in 10 years. Give me my law license. Yeah. yeah. You have to prove it's yourself. Not happen. And I'll tell you from experience, I got at least a handful of classmates I know right now that have far less courtroom interaction to myself prior to their application and they're not in. And Mm -hmm. the only thing I can say to that is, you know, again, we hold the burden of proof, right? Mm -hmm. We hold the burden of proof. I mean, I had to get witnesses and everything, but Mm -hmm. we'll go back to that. So community college, bachelor's degree. I brought the judge out there for, um, uh, I hosted a law school diversity luncheon. There was a lot. I told you Southwest United is close to, is, is, is we have a good pocket of Latino community, mm-hmm. but and yeah. and also the private school takes a lot of it takes uh, undocumented students oh, as wow. opposed to the public school because remember you couldn't get funding mm-hmm. right, oh. but not but that nobody goes into the law track, and so I couldn't figure it out. It bothered me, you know, and I think it's something we need to talk about because I don't know maybe because of our culture like we're so we're like we're into like social work and things like that. But there's a there's an area of law for any undergrad um, b- degree, right? Whether it be social, I feel like I'm a social worker. Let's be serious, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, especially if you're dealing with like indigent defense, that's definitely social work. Right. But you know, I, one of my goals, you know, within the next few years is to how can I say this? Work with my colleagues to, and especially you know my Latino colleagues to carve out this pathway we gotta we we don't want to you know once you get to the law school there's nobody there i was the only latino male latino to graduate in 2018 from my law school and wow. we're out from southwest detroit wow. and there was only one female okay wow. that's a problem for me yeah. yeah it's a problem and you got to remember a lot of the students and i'm not coming out here to dog institutions or dog people or anything right right, right. You know, when you're systematic exclusion, I have to point it out. It yeah. bothers me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm only here because of scholarships, but it's my job to make sure that I pull others with me. Yeah. So I organized, hosted and organized the law school diversity luncheon. Mm-hmm. Brought the judge out. We had, you know, we had a, a great talk, try to motivate some of the, you know, our students, you know, that, that you know, law is attainable, right? That right. you can be a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ultimately, I felt that, that it was a good first step but we have so many more steps to do. Um, and it's going to take 
You know, the problem is, and I'll, I'll just be honest, a lot of the lawyers, not all of them, but a lot of the lawyers that look like me and you, they're not from where we're from. They're uh, not from our communities. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. They might look like us, yeah. but they're not from our, they might, they might look like us, but they're not from our zip code. I'm going gotcha. to say that. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, my, again, my long-term, then short long-term goal is to try to reach back to my community and bring others with me. Yeah. Right. And if it takes writing letters, if it takes breathing life, mm-hmm. if it takes, you know, internships, that's what I'm going to do. And thankfully I'm going to firm that supports my endeavors. Right. Yeah. But back into this, uh, you know, bachelor's piece. So graduated bachelor's degree, did fairly well, top of the class. And it's crazy. Cause again, I dropped out of high school. Right. But mm-hmm. so then I, I applied for law schools, man. And I was already interning at my law school is they, you know, they do uh, what they call um, student employment, basically. Right. Okay. So, okay. you know, I, I, I'm always a person that I'm very calculated. I'm very, you know, I play chess every day in my mind and I play it also on the board. But I play it in my mind is a game of life. Right. right. What am I going to do? What do I want to bring about? What result? What's, what's some good steps working towards that? Well, yes, I would love to go to law school here. Right. Maybe perhaps. You know, get, let, letting them get to know me on a personal level might affect their decision instead of just, no, he's a felon, right? Mm, yes. You know, and I, I can't say that it did or it didn't, but let's just say I was present in the law school where I attended a year prior as an undergrad doing a uh, work study, okay? So I was ready to go there. It made sense. Um, when I applied, I applied at about five or six law, every law school in Michigan, I applied. <laughs> let's just say some said outright no, one said, try again next semester. You need more time between the criminal justice system and your application. And you got to remember, what was that, 2014? So I hadn't been in the court in a long time. Right. Mm. Right? But for them, it still wasn't long enough because there was a multitude of convictions. I mean, I understand. Do I agree? No, but I understand. Right. And then ultimately, you know, I had a friend that was high up in uh, one of the law schools that I applied, and I really wanted to go to that one, honestly. Uh, you know, it's one of our inner city urban schools. And, you know, pretty much off the record, you know, they said, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, that, you know, he's to just be lucky that, uh, you know, he's, you know, essentially appreciate your freedom, right? right? Try again later, right? And so I'm like, man, you know, God, what you got for me, right? And I'm just like, I'm waiting on my law school where I was working, they still had a reply. They were like the last one. Wow. Ultimately, yeah, ultimately, they did accept me, and I was just weeping like a baby, Tom. I would tell you, man. I was weeping like a baby. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I just, um, you know, I think I sat out there outside the law school after I got my paperwork and just, you know, cried for, you know, I don't know how long because, man, I don't deserve it, but the doors keep opening. Yeah, And so... Listen, it was about three weeks later and I'm ready to go to law school and I get a letter in the mail and they gave me a full academic scholarship. It's called a fellows award. Wow. Full academic. You know, and I, and I asked around because by this time, you know, I knew a few people in law. They're like, that's almost unheard of, right? Right. And so, man, the first year of law school, you know, I thought it was going to be hard, but I had, I remember I had been doing so well for the last, you know, what? at least five, six years in school. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a breeze, right? 
And maybe it'd be heavy because I was of a more mature age. You know, I wasn't hanging out at the parties like some of the young people and all this stuff. But I'm just zooming, right? Mm-hmm. right. Going my first year of law school, and I, I was warned, but I'm going to my first year of law school, I almost flunked out. Ooh. I almost flunked out. It's hard. It's hard. Very hard. Because it teaches you to think differently. Yeah. You know, it's not, they don't, it's not like regular tests where they give you stuff and it's like memory. Mm-mm. That's not it. No, it's analyzation. Yep. Right. And there's a, there's a system, it's called IRAC. Right. And so you got to put the issue, the rule, the analyzation or the analysis, mm-hmm. and then the conclusion. Mm-hmm. And if you, most people, including myself, kind of breeze through the analysis, but that's really the meat. That's the money. That's the meat and potato. Yeah. Right. And I'm over here like barely passing my. And, and then you got to remember too. None of the. And no disrespect to any of these institutions. I don't believe there's one Lat- Latino professor in my law school. Mm. You know, the, the, the features don't look like us. Mm-mm. Okay. And you know, I, I don't want to be this guy running around with the race card. But race is always an issue. At least a little issue. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it at least it, for one reason is. Because you may teach differently. Mm-hmm. You understand? I remember, listen to this. I remember my like my first day, we were in this huge auditorium or um, lecture hall, okay? Mm-hmm. And people were asking, it was like our introductory course, right? And people were asking, you know, questions and this, that, or the other. And, and one of the professors was from Texas and somebody asked something about, you know, was it illegal to, you know, use a derogatory term for African-Americans, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Like, was it illegal to the effect of incarceration or a ticket or some type of that offense, right? Okay. Like, what is the extent? When you get arrested for calling somebody essentially a discriminatory word, mm-hmm. okay? Right. And the teacher responded, and this is, this is what, I, what I was thinking, because the teacher responded, he's like, no, you cannot use the N-word or call somebody spit. And I said, excuse me. What? And I said, why is it that you know not to say the N-word, and rightfully so, mm-hmm. that you feel comfortable saying spit? Right. Right. You know, and that's just what I'm talking about, man. It, it does make a difference when you have mentors, teachers, professors, professionals that look like you, come from where you're from. They don't have to look like you. But, I mean, that helps, too. But if they come from where you're from, or at least understand. I mean, my judge is black, African-American, or to the people. I mean, he's the man. He don't, he don't look like me, but right. he's like a father to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, all of these things play a, play a role. Long story short, back to the law school. Almost flunked out of first year. <laughs> and, you know, finally got it together. I had to repeat uh, a full-year property. Which is wild now because I'm also a licensed realtor. Really don't practice in that area, but I am a licensed realtor. Oh, look at you. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you got to stay busy, man. Sometimes right, I get right. impatient, yeah. right? So, <laughs> you know, while I was waiting, I don't know if I told you this, while I was waiting on my, you know, to for them to make a decision on my law license, I got my a real estate license. I ran for office several times. I was the president of our local school board. And you don't know, how, that was, that was just as hard. Getting elected as a convicted felon to be president of the local school board? Mm. Like, man, you know, because I essentially had parents, the ones that didn't like me, running around here saying, felon, 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 you know? And it's like, man. But now if you look at the school district out here, we got brand new school buildings. I mean, our our budget is looking better than it's ever been. 
And, you know, I, I am no longer on the board, but the superintendent calls me off and it tells me, you know, how much he misses me, yeah. you know? And so long story short, you got to stay busy. Here's your target. Keep moving. Yeah. If you got to move yeah. left or go right, you still move forward. Even if it's diagonally forward, don't stay stagnant. Mm. Right. I love yes. it. Ultimately, you know, so my second year of law school was kind of a game changer for me. Um, second year, I had a guy come in that was from Washington. Well, he's from Detroit, but he was working in D.C. for the public defender. Mm-hmm. Now, the D.C. public defender, and I'm sure you guys have a public defender's office out there, right? at least in your major cities. But the D.C. public defender is called PDS, and they're the role model or what they call the model for all of the nationwide public defender services. So it's oh. like because they're a federal jurisdiction as opposed to a local or state, they have a larger budget. Okay, so they had the budget to select clerks from various law schools and bring them there and train them. Right. Mm -hmm. To look at or analyze cases like like them, as I did, and also just unlimited resources. I'm talking about private investigators, not private, you know, investigators, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole bit. Like I, I was like just amazed. So I went out there, met some great people. I was selected. You know, there was a, a group of people uh, from my school that applied. You know, I was uh, the only one selected. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I just poured my story on them. Mm-hmm. You know, I poured out my heart on them. They said, why you? I said, why me? Because I haven't always worn this suit. Mm-hmm. Right. I said I had, you know, I was born and raised. I was born in a house where, you know, I was raised on seven dollar books of food stamps. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I overcame, you know, numerous things from Poverty, homelessness, I mean, um, addiction, incarceration to get because all these things are collateral consequences of the streets, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's just these little silos, right? No. Like, mm-hmm. well, Ed used to sell drugs, but that's it. I mean, most people that sold drugs dibbled and dabbled with drugs. Mm-hmm. Most people that sold drugs have been out on the streets homeless once or twice. And let's be honest, most of them started off in a household where probably, if they're my age, they were mother was getting stamps, and if they're a little older, they got an EBT card. Yeah, I'm just saying these are like all the things you know, fa- no father in the household, etc. But long story short, I told him, you know, I've been incarcerated, and I have the ability to me to familiarize with our clients. Yeah. Our clients are me, and I'm our clients. When I fight for them, I'm fighting for me. Yes, right. He's like, man, I want you. So he brought me out to DC. And it changed my life. You know, He, I learned a lot out there. Um, you know, met a lot of great people who are doing a lot of great things now. And we continue to stay in touch. Um, and, and I also was awarded the Voice for Justice Award for my school, which was, you know, it felt good. Yeah. Um, came back last year at law school. Uh, when I came back, when I was going into my third, I actually had to do four years because I was going part time. You know, by that time, I had started to work a little bit because... Once you get in that level of education, people don't ask you for your background check. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that something? Yeah. Like if you're wearing this suit, we assume <laughs> that you've never been locked up, sir. No, you look like, the part, yeah. Right? So, yeah, I mean, you got to fake it till you make it or face it till you make it. Yeah. But you mm-hmm. can't go in there like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> hanging your head and stuff, right? I mean, at a certain level, at a certain, when, you re- when you reach a certain point, you have to be um, confident. And, and if they do ask you that, you know, I even would, would probably turn it on them. Like, 
you know, thank you. I'm glad that you asked that question. You know, this is something I like to share. Yes, 15 years ago, I was incarcerated on a nonviolent drug offense. You know, I learned my lesson. You know, I have a great group of support. I went through, you know, all the necessary rehabilitative measures, and that's well in my past, and I can, can assure you that it will not come up in this particular capacity. But I look forward, you know, the same efforts and the same passion that I took to overcome these issues is the same passion I'm going to give to you each and every day. That's yeah. what I tell them. You know, you have to be prepared for that. That's what I would tell anybody watching this show that's scared to share your past with, a, with an employer. Turn it on them. Be yeah. prepared. Don't get caught off guard like a deer in the headlights. You have to be prepared. Mm -hmm. Nobody owes us nothing. You know what I mean? Yes. That's right. You know, back to where we were. Came back second, third year. And get this, I was working as a as a uh, clerk slash bailiff at our local circuit court. Started off as a substitute, but then my my work ethic was noticed, and one of the other judges that I subbed for recommended me for a permanent position. I was the guy when you come in, it would be all rise. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing because I love you it. know I. Yeah, I used to like pinch myself when I was there. Like, man, is this real? You know, but but you know, I it, 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 the same type of pinch I give myself every morning now. You know, yeah, I just thank God every morning. Like, man, I'm I'm a I'm a felon, but I'm also an attorney. Yeah, right. And I don't like the word felon to be honest with you. It reminds me of failure, mm. failing, mm -hmm. just fail. And, and you know, I I don't I don't think I'm a failure. No, um, you know, I, I honestly feel that you know I'm so much more than my than my worst day. Mm. But back to uh, working at the court. So that's where I, I first met my current supervising attorney, mm. right? As we say in the streets, game recognized game. <laughs> spirit recognized spirit. You know, I could feel this man's passion. You know what I mean? From a spiritual aspect, you can feel people, people's passion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I knew this guy was a good guy. And he'd come in there and he'd tap dance, you know, in... Um, you know, a lot of times be late, instead of, but when he got up to the podium, the guy was passionate and he was a beast, you know. And since we're in a, in a show like this, I can say that, right? Mm -hmm. So the guy was like, he'd go up there and he'd go hard in the paint, like he was a winner. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, when I, you know, when I get uh, in my car, that's how I want to be, you know. There's a, there's a lot of different styles, and not everybody has that loud and bolsterous style yeah, i mean yeah that's kind of my style right i like to do the like i'm passionate and sometimes i gotta reel myself in you know <laughs> because you know something you know you know but some people are real quiet some people are just standing at the podium and you know my guy's innocent that's fine if it works for you but i was attracted to this man's style mm -hmm. as far as a litigator trial attorney mm -hmm. right and you know, one thing that remind I reminded me that uh, that I reflect upon now is I remember my judge was like, "This guy's asked, asked for like fifteen adjournments, but she gave them all to him. That's yeah. <laughs> she gave them all to him, right? And you can't fault. I mean, yes, you don't want to upset the court, but you can't fault a, a a lawyer for having too many cases, right? Well, yeah. But but long so long story short, that was our first our meeting, first encounter. Uh, my current supervising attorney. Um, so then I went, finally went back into school the next semester and, you know, was put my head down and was just trying to finish it up. We were in the home stretch, right? Okay. And, and, and one of my last semesters, the, my, my firm's namesake, Mr. Perkins, 
he came in because he's an alum. He's an alum of my school. Mm. And he came in and was doing a lecture. And, and Mr. Perkins is, is, is probably if I had to compare him to somebody you may know, he's the Johnny Cochran of Detroit. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and so people are like, oh, you know, that was very nice of Mr. Perkins to bring you on board. And, and I, and I want to be like, don't get it. Like, I just got drafted by the Lakers. Like, <laughs> I feel, you know, I feel like Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? Yes. And so, like, I'm with probably, I would say, the best, the best criminal defense team in Detroit, if not Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you know, I work for, with, a, with a team full of trial attorneys, yeah. you know? And as, as I often tell, um, people ask me, like, what do you do? And I say, you know, we beat cases. That's what we do, mm-hmm. you know? But long story short, uh, Mr. Perkins uh, came in, gave a lecture. At the end of the lecture, and I already knew Perkins because I'm from the streets. Everybody <laughs> from the streets knows Perkins. You know, his, as I say, his name rings bells in penitentiary cells. Like, <laughs> you know Perkins, right? So, then here, you know, about, it's a three-hour lecture. At the end of the third hour, enter my supervising attorney, Muhammad Nasser, right? Mm. Sh- short, Shorter guy. He's Indian with an Arabic name, so people assume he's Arabic. He's Arab. Right? <laughs> Got a little ponytail. He's, he's you know, a good friend of mine, supervising attorney. But at that point, he was just the guy I knew that was the one at the you know, podium, Great trial attorney, and the judge gave him fifteen determinants. But no, he's my guy, right? <laughs> so here he comes. Into, he works for he works for Perkins, right? He's the super. He was he's uh, kind of you know. So they talk. So they, he walks in, and you know after the he had just won a big trial, so he was you know obviously on cloud number nine. Yeah. And upon the end of the lecture, um, I walked up to him, and he and he said, you know, Mr. Perkins, this is the guy I was telling you about. And I, you know, I just looked Perkins in the eye and I said, sir, I'm a big fan of your work and I want to learn from you. He said, he looked me in the eye and he said, when you ready to start? I said, yesterday. Hey. Man, I started on Martin Luther King Day. Oh. I'm serious. You gotta be hungry, Tony. You gotta be hungry, man. Yeah. Listen, a lot of people don't want to work. I was raised working, right? Yeah. I mean, even when I did wrong, I was up 24-7. Like, you have to be hungry. Yeah. You know, either you're hungry or you're not. Hungry right. folks get fed. You know, that's right. And so, long story short, I started with Perkins. I started as a legal writer. Um, you know, I, I I quickly learned from him. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned his style. It's very persuasive. It's very aggressive. It's very convincing. It's not a neutral, you know, mm. make your decision type style. It's, yeah, you know, right. This court has no undeniably, you know, this is egregious, and this court has no choice. That's how we roll. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to if you're going to go hard for your client, you have to go hard. Right. You know, I mean, keep it professional always. But advocacy, I'm serious about my advocacy. I mean, this, you know, my, my, my people are, are facing prison time. I mean, we're talking about freedom. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, know, you got to keep it professional. There's rules of the court. And there's rules of evidence. But ultimately, you know, you have to be persuasive. Right. Yeah. So long story short, um, started working there. You know, legal writer, um, took over for another gentleman. Eventually, you know, I came in as like an assistant, took over for another gentleman. At first, I had about 26 cases. As of this last week, you know, I'm somewhere around 378 cases, right? This is what I'm managing. That's not what I'm, you know, I I do individually, of course, but kind of overseeing it, right? Okay, So, So, you know, about, I don't know, 
my my first year in, it was against the even the judge's um, advice. But I had left for a short stint and went up to the state house. Mm-hmm. I, I I worked for the House of Representatives. Wow. Right. And I, and again, I, you know, I, would I do it again? Yes. You know, I didn't want to leave my profession, but I was so impatient. Um, you know, I wanted to be an attorney like yesterday, mm-hmm. and. You know, I, and I had a lot of guys. I, I worked with a lot of prison reentry activists up here. I had a lot of guys like, you know, come on up here, and you know, you can. And and I and I helped uh, one of our prominent activists out here. I assisted on her uh, election, and she took me up there as her legislative director, essentially, aka chief of staff. Mm. You know, would I would I do it again? I think I would. Um, and so, you know, what I did was, I went up there, and I and I and I kind of release my pain on the table. Right. Because nobody was th- thinking about issues affecting the felons. Mm-hmm. Nobody was thinking about felony expungement expansion. Nobody was thinking about um, professional licensing for convicted felons. I'm talking about, um, you know, skilled trades. I'm talking about even barber, you know, manicures, whatever. You have to, so, you're, if you're not convicted, you don't know all of the restrictions facing us. Yes. Why do you want to keep us in a manual labor position? It's so, you know, uh, it's a recidivism mindset. Yeah. You give somebody a career or a profession, man, they will beat recidivism. I'm a living proof. Yeah. yeah. So, so I went up there and I poured my pain on the table. <clears throat> I stayed less than a year, uh, came back. I missed the action. You know, it moves yeah. real slow in the state house, man. Mm. It moves super slow. Yeah. And, you know, I came back and continued to write. Um, thankfully, they took me back. You know, I guess that says a little something to my my work ethic. Yeah. Um, that they they're willing to take me back. So when I came back, uh, I got the word that my character and fitness had finally been um, completed. Completed in a sense. My application began in 2018, May of 2018, right out of law school. I'm sorry, I skipped over that. May of 2018, I graduated law school. Yeah. 25 years after I dropped out of high school. Wow. 25 years. Yeah, I was exactly 40. Anything's possible. Anything. Man, I walked across that stage and cried like a baby. Oh, oh my God, I can imagine. You know, I was kind of in shock. Like, is this really happening? You know what I mean? Yeah. So real. I like watching, when I watch it, I don't know, I even kind of felt like I was like a you know, watching it when it was happening, like, is this really happening to me? You know right. what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, you know, and then you got to remember, I'm chasing this dream for 16 years, not knowing if they're going to let me be a lawyer. I knew it. I knew God was going was going to move the mountains, man. Mm-hmm. I knew and, it. And that's why um, earlier you said that you didn't deserve it. And I just thought you did. You deserved every every yeah. every opportunity, every chance that you got. You, so you, much. you probably didn't know why it was happening. Like, why was God blessing me? Like, you probably, you were, you were probably thinking, like, like, dang, like for real, like I'm getting this the second chance. You know, all these opportunities, all these doors are opening up for me. But God knew what He was doing, and God knew who He was putting out there to be this amazing lawyer you are now. Well, I appreciate that, Gracia, Gracia, and but I, I tell you. You know, I one of my biggest, you know, think cautions is that I wake I wake up in the morning and, and I and I think to myself is, 
You know, am I pleasing to the Lord in what I'm doing today? Am mm. I doing this for purpose or for finance? And, you know, yeah. and these are things that I make sure that I don't cross, you know, because I because I do have a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, what it is. I mean, obviously, I, I have to make a living, but, you know, I, I definitely don't want to get outside of the will of the Lord yeah. because he's opened so many doors for me, you know, yeah. so many. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if yeah. You want, I just uh, want to share. Okay. I I just want to share with you that um here oh, in, here in Oklahoma, um I went to as uh, I went to esthetician school and one of what is it? What, what kind of school is that? Esthetician where they do like facials and waxing. Oh, esthetician. Yeah. Okay, I didn't hear. It. Go ahead. <laughs> my bad. Um, but one of my professors at the school, she she was she was a teacher there, but she would also um, what's the word? She would uh. Uh, like donate her time. She would go serve at the prison, at the woman's yeah. prison here in Oklahoma. And because yeah. she had started a program, an esthetician program for the woman prisoners in there. And some of them are graduating. And once they graduate, they're graduating with a certificate of esthetician. And, you know, she's, awesome. she's, no, that is awesome. Yeah. She's, she's helping these women, you know, find a job if it's at, whatever hair barber school or mm-hmm. salon i'm sorry um they're and it's amazing i follow her on social media and she's just always posting about her girls you know graduating and you know once they're out they're gonna have an opportunity in life and so it's yeah that's amazing no that's awesome now, do you still do esthetician work no i do not <laughs> okay but no i mean that could be like your CDLA, right? Yeah. Like mine, right? It like pushed you into, you know, your purpose. Yeah. Mm. No, for sure. Um, I I graduated in 2016, 2017 from, from that program. Um, I was going through a lot, you know, personally through life and yeah. mentally I just wasn't there. So I, I pretty much just quit. And then I started my family in 2018. And so... I just been living the life of a mom and I work full time and thankfully I've got this opportunity to join Tony and this is something I've, I've always wanted to do this right here. This right here is my purpose. And to be even just talking to someone like you is just, it's amazing. (laughs) I I, you know, like I tell everybody, I didn't uh, wake up in this suit. You know what I mean? I come from the same place as you. So wherever you want to go, it's yours. But my mom always says, you know, she said, Eddie, being a mom is the hardest job out here. Period. Yes. And yes. I've seen her. She made a dollar out of 15 cents every day. I never knew we were broke growing up. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, even even when we were broke, I still had a, a new pair of Adidas forms and a triple pack boost. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought I was good, right? Yeah. But I knew, you know, from my neighborhood, obviously. But mom, she, she made a stretch. And my advocacy, my earliest advocacy uh, observations were watching my mom go up to the police station and, you know, and, and, and just go so hard for me to keep me out of jail. Like, these are my earliest memories of, you know, and she don't, she don't have a formal education, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's just very well, she's very well read, right? So, I mean, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with being a homemaker. Zero. Yeah. Right. No, it's... You, should, you should be proud of that. <laughs> no, I am. And, you know, my son, he... He, he brings a lot to me. And so he keeps me going as well. And yeah. it, it's just, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing. You go through as a mom, as a, as a mother, you go through so much, you know, and I, 
I'll say as a parent, you know, because men go through a lot as well when they become fathers and yeah. Uh, my what I started. Oh, that's a long story there. No, I'm just <laughs> As um, when I first came on the the podcast with Tony, I I was bringing awareness to mental health awareness because you know you just go through so much just from being a mom and you know you grow up with all these traumas that you just don't know how to let go or you know and mm-hmm. you just want to break those cycles and just hearing your story, you know the. I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but the street life, that's all you knew, you know? And it was, I feel like it was, that's something so hard to break when yes. that's what you just grow up knowing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm i sorry, but. Go ahead, please. I, no, please continue. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't born, I wasn't raised around gang violence or any of that, thankfully. But there, there are, you know, things that I have grown up with, you know, my dad wasn't abusive physically, but he was very abusive mentally. And so I, there, people always tell me, oh, you're just like your dad. You're just like your dad. And to me, you know, my dad, he wasn't, he's not a bad person, but it would just make me think like, oh no, I don't want to be like my dad. Like he, like to me, he was ugly. And I was like, I want to be better than him. And so I feel like if it wasn't for this year when I got called to seek help for my mental health, I would have continued those traits my dad, you know, showed me. And I wouldn't have been able to break those cycles that that I that I was living. You know, my relationship with my partner probably wouldn't be where it is today because of those vicious cycles that we just grow up and we live and we just don't know how to Mm -hmm. let go. And, you know, yeah. and, and for you, you had someone there to open this door for for you and has walked with you through it all. And that's just amazing. You know, it all works. I feel like if we want if we want something different and we want a different lifestyle than what we grew up with. And if you really, really want it, you'll get there. But that's just up to you. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I can speak so much on all that. I commend you on overcoming your struggles, you know, don't think because I'm in a suit, I don't have some of the similar struggles as you, you know, my, my oldest son, um, you know, and I don't like to talk about, you know, bring my kids or my personal life into this too much, but my oldest son, you know, has been battling some of the same issues, uh, that I've battled, even some of the same ones you've battled. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's defeating for me as a father, father's been one of the hardest jobs that I I have. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's defeating for me as a father that I have parents calling me up saying, hey, can you mentor my son? And then I have a, a now adult son that's, you know, that's dealing with these issues. Right. And I'm powerless. Mm-hmm. Essentially, one, he's an adult. You know, I don't have jurisdiction over him. But two, I wasn't around when he was a kid. I was running the streets and I was locked up. Yeah. And so imagine that, you know, that's, that's pain I deal with daily. Um, but, and, you know, it's only through in my faith that I'm able to, you know, set that aside and, and go to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I pray for him. But, you know, ultimately, at this point, he has to <clears throat> find himself hit his rock bottom. Yeah. Everybody has their own rock bottom. Yep. Right. And and and, and I'm always here. I'll continue to build myself mm-hmm. and I continue to, you know, reach out to him, you know, and build myself and, you know, put in my two, you know, my. uh you know, words of encouragement like my mom did. Mm-hmm. I think, it, I think it was, we used to be annoying as all heck. Yeah. But 
you know, I, now that I look back on it, it was a seed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It was yeah. a seed. Yeah. You know. Um. But yeah. Um. I don't know where were we. Okay. <laughs> so we were. Um. I came back. Um. Uh, finally received. They finally received notice that my application was completed. So you got to remember, I walked in May of eighteen. Many people don't know this, but I sat for the bar fresh out of law school in July of eighteen because that's what students do. Mm-hmm. They get out in May, study for two months, and they sit for the bar. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't a traditional student. I mean, I don't, I don't like the, I don't know. I, I'll just put it out there. I had thirty-five arrests, nineteen convictions, and two felony drug convictions. Mm-hmm. I had to go city to city and obtain all of this paperwork and make it part of my file. Yeah. Okay. I had numerous family law issues mm-hmm. from, you know, again, you got to remember what this collateral consequences of convictions are numerous. Right. You're talking about family law issues. You're talking about parenting time, stuff like that. You're talking about debt mm-hmm. collections. You're talking about, I had lived at 15, probably 10 or 15 residences. You're talking about, you know, a number of things they want. Every time you've been arrested, they want all this. It was twelve hundred pages in total. Wow! It took me well. It took me well, and it had to be individually itemized, right, and explained. I mean, the the standard for moral character, really, the overarching standard is: Are you going to tell the truth? Yeah. Mm. If I'm across the table from you, can I trust you that you'll be truthful? I trust you in a deal, right, Mm. in an agreement. And but it's it, the, the 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 technical legal language is good moral character and fitness current, and so again it took me a number of months to finally complete that. But the first time I sat for the bar, I didn't have no time to study. I sat for the bar. I graduated in May. I sat in July, and I failed. Wow. Right? You don't see that in the papers, but I mean this is again mm-hmm. a story of overcoming. Yes, you know, and I failed. I felt like I let down my whole race. From here, I felt like I let down my whole family, yeah. the whole, you know, everybody. Like, man, this just ain't in the cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's when, again, you know, I had took some time to myself. I ended up getting into politics a little bit, school board, went up to Lansing as a house uh, for the House of Representatives as one of the, you know, legislative directors. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that's not my path. Right. While I enjoyed it, it's not my path. Came back again, was offered a position back with the firm, and ultimately um, received notice that my my file was finally complete. And that had to be in 2020, wow. somewhere in, uh, probably around I don't know spring of 2020. Then COVID hit early, you know, right around that same time. Right. Mm-hmm. So instead of my hearing, they pushed it and they pushed it, kept adjourning it. They didn't get in front of the of the board. Until September 17, 2020. Wow. So it took nearly three years. Yeah. Right? There's there was three boards. They're tiered. The first board is a local board, right? Mm-hmm. They made a determination or a recommendation. Mm-hmm. Then there's an intermediate level called standing committee. And they wanted a whole new essentially hearing or like mini trial. Wow. Mm-hmm. Despite the recommendation, based on this voluminous you know, discovery. Yeah. All right. Or past. And I'm like, man, you know, um, so uh, I hired a top notch attorney, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the support of my village, of course. And I put together 
we we put together because I'm a firm believer in we. You know, I don't run around here saying I I I because you know I'm man. We put together, (laughs) you know, a you know um, essentially you know laid out what was uh, you know how are we we going to you know carry this out etc. You know, we had a number of witnesses, a number of of um, support letters, a number of um, you know, different awards, things of that nature. I mean, I remember I brought in, uh, you know, something signed by a lot of the elected officials. I brought in letters from a number of attorneys, number of judges. I mean, this is why I speak to applicants and even just regular, you know, uh, and people that are search, uh, seeking a job. You know, right. bring in something, bring something to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just show up and again say I haven't been in trouble in, in mm-hmm. ten years. I deserve this. Right. You know, right. you have to prove that you've changed. When you have people co-signing you, they know you on a personal level mm-hmm. because you've availed yourself to the community on very, I can't tell you how many expungement fairs that I've been a part of, even hosted. Even last week, our firm hosted one right here in Pontiac, Michigan and sponsored. Um, I mean, this is like something that I do um, passionately mm-hmm. because I'm passionate about making sure when my people come home, that they ultimately can get a clean slate. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And one of the, and I had went to a number of them. So I'm going to side note for a second. If it's okay. Went to a number of them. And I realized I'm not eligible. I'm wasting my time here. And it's, you know, it's, it's defeating. Mm. I don't want to use the word depressing, but it's a, it's defeating, mm. you know, and I'm in a room with 50 or a hundred guys. Half of them. I know from the streets, half of them I know from jail. And they're like, man, this is some, Mm-hmm. You know, like, what are we here for? This, that, the other. And so I promised myself way back then, Tom, I said, when I ever get that microphone, I'm going to bring the truth up here. And that's what I do when they throw me the microphone and expose that fear. I talk about this story, man. And it's when I first came home, I couldn't get a job. And I mentioned all the number of jobs. But there was this one job I got doing door-to-door sales. <laughs> and it was a crew full of, again, parolees and probationers. We made about $7 an hour. Oh, and, oh, right? we, we, were, we were rich back then, right? <laughs> and so this was in 2006. Yeah. And you get bonuses if you get a lead. They call it a lead. Mm. So I'm knocking on 400 doors a day, man. I'm wearing holes in the soles of my shoes, right? And I'm knocking on 400 doors a day. And you don't get paid per door but you get paid per lead. But the numbers of statistics will tell you, we're not so many. Somebody's going to give you a chance, right? right. You get like a $50 bonus per lead and you get like another, you know, like a percentage if they actually make the sale. Right. Really, they just want to get you in, get your salesman in his door. Right. Right. Obviously, and this is, I hate to go there again, but none of the salesmen obviously look like us, but that's a whole nother issue. So, you know, <laughs> Anyway, I learned one thing on that. Every morning we jump in that cargo van and have the guys this smelt like yesterday. And, you know, we'd get ready to go. And we'd sing, we'd sing these little hype songs. But at the end of the day, man, I developed this motto. And it's, you know, if knocking 400 doors and 396 are slamming in your face. You know, my motto is some will, some won't. And so what? Yeah. So what? And that's my motto to the day. You know, I go, I walk, I, when I grab that microphone at the felony expungement pass, and you can watch the, the number of, 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 of footage, that's what I say. 
Some will, some won't, and so what? Some of these employers going to take you. Mm-hmm. Some will, some won't, so what? But be honest with yourself, right? Yeah, some of right. these schools aren't going to want you. Some will. I mean, just like when they picked me up for D.C., they took me because I was honest. I kept, right? Mm-hmm. I kept it 100 and told them the truth. And, and and you cannot let your, you know, your situation stunt your growth, man. So what? Yeah. You're a felon. Boo, hoo, hoo. Get over it, Eddie. Keep it moving. You know what I mean? Sometimes I got to give myself pep talks. Right? Oh, for real. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, right? I no, think we all you do. have to. Yeah, I yeah. do too. That's so awesome. ultimately, we get the, um, we, we had the hearing September 17th, um, 2020. And it was, um, man, it was, it was a very humbling experience. You know, I've talked to you guys for an hour, but I had to talk to them for a whole day. Oh. Right? Yeah. And just be honest with them. And it was it was a it was not this type of informal, you know, type of envi- uh, uh, format. Right. Yeah. You know, I had I had three witnesses. One of them was my supervising attorney uh, that I discussed, the trial attorney, uh, Mr. Nasser. The other one was the judge. Yeah. A third one was a. Uh, substance uh, counselor, substance abuse counselor. Oh, okay. You know, because it wasn't enough for me to say I've been sober for so many years. Again, this is a what we call a self-governing profession. You know, people want to be. You have to prove that you've been sober, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 and you know, you got to humble yourself, man. I enrolled in a in an intensive outpatient treatment program, even though I had been sober for a number of years. Because if that's what it takes, and that's what it takes, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I was dropping. I wasn't on probation or parole. I was doing this voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I I know so many people that, that you know, aren't serious about where they want to go in life. Right. Because if you were, you would do what you have to do. You wouldn't complain because you had to do it. I mean, sometimes, I mean, you just got to do it, man. And I yeah. did what I had to do to get where I wanted to go. And I still didn't know that they were going to open the door, you know? Yep. So you I mean, were. Let's be, honest, let's be honest. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. Yeah. So, you know? so while you were going through all these trials and court hearings, you still didn't know if you were going to even be. Yeah, be eligible? No, it's there's there, no, there is no list they gave me to do. There's nothing that said if you do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, you can be a lawyer. No. These oh. are things that I was doing preemptively <sighs> to. Prove to them I've changed. Yeah. And that you really wanted nope. this. I'm serious. I was mm-hmm. serious. But wow. you know, the number one thing I think came across was the genuineness. Yeah. You know, I talk to you guys openly and I joke a lot and I laugh a lot and I clown a lot. <laughs> but I'm serious when I talk about change, man. Yeah. You know, and I was just honest with them. I looked them dead in the eye and I said, you know, I did all this and more. Yeah. You know, and, and there's things I've done that I probably... Uh, Renette was never called for and, and, and should have been incarcerated for, you know, and I'm the same person I was back then, but I don't think the same, right. you know, mm. when I have, you know, how can I say moments of lapse? I have a support system around me to catch me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got pastors. I got, you know, colleagues. I got judges. I got family. I mean, I'm not by myself anymore. And, and I, you know, again, I just think that, Coming across humble, knowing, you know, um, just putting it all out there on the table, you know, and 
It took them the first time it took 60 days. I received a, a written opinion 60 days later for the for the, for the initial screen our, our, our panel, um, you know, character and fitness review. OK, and the standing one, which was a lot more serious. The first one was like a deposition. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there's microphones, there's recorders. The second one was like an appellate hearing. Okay. And it was intimidating. It was intimidating. Um, ultimately, they, they deliberated. I wasn't expecting this. They're like, let's take a recess and we'll be back uh, shortly. They came back in 15 minutes and wow. said yes. And I cried. I wept. I turned into a baby right there in the conference room. It was via Zoom. Yeah. I was with my lawyer. Wow. I had my, you know, my colleagues next to me. Man, I melted. I melted. Wow. I melted. You know, I'm, I I don't, it was so much relief. It was so much, my blood pressure, you know, probably was like, you know, um, uh, you know, what, what is it? What is it supposed to be? A cool 120 over 80 or something? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. And so um, I still have my lawyer's hanky with his initials uh, engraved, man, because I grabbed it. I was, you know how we are, right? And I'm like, you know, but I was balling. And so then there's the, 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 top tier governing board called the board of law examiners they could either either approve it or, or either hold another hearing oh and then if if they uh denied or uh rejected you could take it to the supreme court ultimately on september 17 2020 they approved it sent the letter in the mail and i was you know it was just a huge sigh of relief i think all my tears were gone it's the last one, right? But it was just this huge sigh of relief. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like, I'm just running around and I just couldn't believe it. You know, I think at that point, you know, even my my team or my um, you know, my village knew that the big, the big uh, you know, the big hurdle or the big mountain was set aside or moved, right? Yeah. Uh and then all we had left was the bar exam. I know that sounds like that's nothing, right? All we had left was the bar exam, right? Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> tough. I know that's tough. Well, you know, I, I don't know how it is to just come out of law school and take the bar exam. You know, I had, you know, I went like the full circle all the way around yeah. and landed on the bar exam, right? Mm. Um, but the bar exam was very trying. Two days, eight hours a day. The first day is 200 multiple choice questions. The next day is 16 essay questions. Oh, Again, Lord. Iraq format. And you got to understand I'm going, I'm my, I don't, I don't have competition. My only competition is myself Yeah. every day, every day I wake up, you know, I, I like to see other attorneys do, do great. I like to see my neighbors do great. Mm -hmm. I'm in competition with myself, but my, I do know that my classmates and my colleagues, there's some things they do better than me. <clears throat> I came out the streets in 08. Mm -hmm. That's the first time I touched a computer. I was 30 years old. I've been writing for a number of years, but I write in my head. I'll write a motion like that. Mm. It might take me an hour or two to type it. I still type with two or three fingers. <laughs> so because of Zoom, they wouldn't let they, they didn't permit writing the bar with a pencil oh. or pen, which is my preference. Yeah, Ooh. I type the bar wow. and I can't I type, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, <laughs> That's not your strong suit. Words yeah. a you you didn't I mean, you I'm, didn't take that that key class that we had to take in school. Um, I took it, but man, they, it's <laughs> mandatory, right, to get the, through community college. But I mean, I I, I barely got twenty five words in there, and then I reverted back to, to my three fingers, right? Yeah. Anyway, 
You know, I, ultimately, the bar results came back May 6th. I'll never forget, 2021. Wow. The bar results came back. I had studied for two months. You know, my, my work was kind enough to afford me, you know, a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at this point, I had full support of, of and Detroit legal community is a small legal community. It's a large city, but we all know each other, man. And I had the full support. I mean, I feel I felt like I was, you know, running a race with, you know, uh, a thousand people beside me yelling go at that point. Yeah. You know, and so February 23rd, 24th, I took the test. Uh, May 6th, I got my results that I passed. Cried like a baby again. May 14th, I was sworn in in the very courtroom that I was sentenced 16 years earlier, room 404 to framework of Hall of Justice oh. and by the same exact judge. And it was a, it was a surreal moment. I, I don't like to use that word. Uh, I know it's overused, but it was, it's, it was like I was again, floating or watching it take place without being there. Like what's going on? Right. Like this is wild. Right. Um, and then ultimately May 21st, I got my number and I've been practicing since then. I'm doing, High-level um, state felony and misdemeanor matters. Associate Attorney Perkins Law Group, Detroit, Michigan. And you said that was in 2021? Mm-hmm. Or was that 2020? No, 2021. Oh, May oh. 6, 2021, I got my results. May 14th, I got sworn in. I've been practicing since May 21st, two months almost. Wow. Wait, is that two months? Yeah, two months. Yeah. About, yeah. Two months. Yeah, and I got a full caseload. I was in the court today doing a hearing. Gun case, um, you know, it's, I, I love it, man. I love my job. I love this city. I love our legal community. I love my clients. Like my clients, they appreciate me on a personal level. Yeah. They trust me. They trust me. Right. I got, I know people that have been practicing for a number of years. I'm getting phone calls and I'm, you know, I'm like, who referred you to like, you know, I've seen you on the news based on your past. He said, nobody, but you. He trusts you. Mm. And I'm like, man, that feels good. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, you know, so I have a duty to, how can I say, I, for lack of better words, I got a duty to go hard for my clients. Yeah. You know, you know what you remind me of? And and to the listeners that are listening, I, I don't know if anybody has ever picked up a buckle or not. Because, I mean, I just don't know. But there's a story in there about Joseph, which is a very common story at the colored code and you know. Da, da. You're like that miracle version of nowadays. I, and I know that Joseph and you didn't have the same, you know, backstory that, you know, the same little story. But I love how from you from the very beginning at a young age. I feel like you had a calling and I feel like all along you knew it, even though you were probably like in the midst of the situation and the poverty and, and, and the world that you were living in. Did you ever feel like on the inside, you knew you were going to eventually get out of that? Or did you not know that at all? And I appreciate both of you, you know, that you have a, that you're people of faith, right? And people of faith, you know, it, it, it doesn't mess for, you know, listen to folks. We're not perfect. As a matter of fact, the whole basis of my faith is that I'm imperfect, but he's perfect, and therefore I, I am. Yeah. Right. The whole basis, right? right? It's like, it's perfect for me because I'm imperfect, mm-hmm. right? But, <laughs> but no, I, man, I, I, you know, there's so much, um, you know, we could go in depth for hours. You know, I, I'll save it for the book. Um, but, you know, that I've, I've long felt 
that God wanted much more out of me than selling drugs to my own people. You know, I just didn't know how the transformation was going to come about. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't know at what age. I didn't know at what time. I really feel like that I had to go through this to appreciate it, man. Otherwise, I would have just been another attorney, you know. Yeah. Um, just, you know, and, and I'm so much more than that in a sense of, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a father. I'm an advocate. I'm a, you know, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm about the community, man. Yeah. You know, I really just want to lift people up. You know, my, one of my things I love to do is just breathe life, man. I walk in the rooms full of people that are where I was, and I don't know what to do but just reach out and grab them. I don't have all the resources to build you up, and I can't make you, you know, go in any direction. Mm-hmm. But God gave me some tools, and I'm going to build. Yeah. Yes, sir. And I know I appreciate you a lot, and I know your, especially your community, man. I, I can only imagine one day we'll have to go visit you. I know we're gonna have to, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Detroit is a large community, and it, you know, I'm not from. I grew up in a little neighborhood, this uh, a city that's kind of on the outskirts of Detroit. Same same situations, same issues. It, it's primarily African American community, not Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do a lot within the Latino community as well because, you know, it's, again, our, our city's not that big, right? And we're all dealing with these issues. You know, my my uh, giving back is not limited to yeah. no yeah. one particular uh, folk, you know? Um, I just try to go where God leads me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, so, okay, so from the time that you started to the time that you finished, did you ever had uh, a moment of of anxiety to where you thought, man, this is never going to come to surpass that you were like, man, because what I haven't even heard that whole story until just now. So yeah. it's, I'm astonished yeah. by the small detail that we got to hear. Cause I, I didn't know a lot of that. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Number one, but putting yourself in those situations, starting from when you were younger, I think society had every intention to make you fail. You know, maybe not even society, just everything, the circumstances around you, they were destined for you to fail, you know, and and to anybody that could be listening to this, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people with high potential. There's a lot of people with so much knowledge, you know, uh, um, capacity and, and people that can maybe in your situation now. And they can see, like, man, I'm never going to be able to get out of this. I'm never going to be able to, to, to not be called, you know, this because of of who I am or what I do now. You know, so was there a time that you felt like you were not going to make it? That you really just thought, I'm just going to throw in the towel. I mean, to be honest with you, man, it's been multiple times um, that I wanted to quit, but. You know, my the way I do things, my long-term goal has always been to practice law. I mean, obviously, now I'm here, mm-hmm. and I'm creating longer-term goals, mm-hmm. right? I feel like I'm just starting. But, it, but back then, my long-term goal was to practice law. I mean, so what I did was I set up a number of short-term goals so I could hit these kind of, right, mm-hmm. points of, uh, how can I say, temporary, you know, Confidence builders. Yeah, Points yeah. of confidence builders, right? I mean, little things like the associate degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was huge because that helped me turn the corner. 
I mean, you got to think about it. At that point, I really, I really wasn't on no track to practice law. I wasn't even on the track to be a professional. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was still struggling with unemployment, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I was dealing with a lot of issues. You know, I had child support in my back. I mean, I got real life issues. Now I don't. Not the same issues. I mean, I have real life issues still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. We all do. But I mean, at that point, I mean, I had child support in my back. I couldn't sell drugs because I go to jail, but I could not pay my child support because I would go to jail. That's right. a felony, you yeah. know? And so, you know, I, I, I kind of started in school and kept going to school because it was, you know, helping me release some of this pressure without going, financial pressure without going to jail. Right. right? While I, you know, try to navigate my way out of this, um, you know, this lifestyle. But you got to remember, everybody that I that I knew, you know, at my age was in the same lifestyle, right? Yeah. Like, you know, guys I, guys I grew up with, and many of them still are. I mean... I, I still love them to death, but I don't, you know, um, you know, associate with them in the same manner, obviously, you know. Um, but and I, and you know, everybody's in my prayers every day. You gotta understand. Yes, I wanted to quit often, right? Especially in the early years. After we turned the corner, it got a little easier. But that's where faith comes in, man. You know, um, and I know it's not, I'm, I'm making it sound too easy, right? Anybody can say that, you know, uh, but. I think that that really has held me up, you yeah. know? I mean, uh, it, it, can, it can sound easy, but if somebody really takes the time to listen to your story, it wasn't easy. You know, I, oh, I, could, wasn't just, easy at all. I could just, there's been so many times where I, my excuses were my life experiences. I'm like, oh, I didn't do this because I was going through this, or I didn't do this because this was happening, but... That's when you just got to keep pushing. And like like you said, just don't stand still. You either got to move left or right, but you got to keep going somehow. I mean, think about this. And I, this is what I would tell myself. Think about this. You know, what? what's the alternative? Yeah. What's the alternative? What's, what's behind you? What did you leave behind? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, jail, death. And I'm saying this for real life. You know, I have family members. I have friends. Um, that are no longer with us, you know, due to their life choices. Yeah. And I was yeah. making the same life choices. And yeah, I mean, I, I had no other choice. You know, once your back is against the wall, you're going to sink or swim. You're going to fight or fall. Yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah, that's it, Tom. We appreciate you so much. We appreciate you sharing your story. It means a lot no, to I us. Just, I just looked at the clock. I'm like, man, I didn't even realize it's been a couple hours. We got we got a we got a couple just different kind of questions not 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 all personal just just to I don't know ease up not ease up the mood but just just, just so people can show. see a different yeah. view of you because I mean when I I'm sorry I have a lot to say to <laughs> you but we're we're not gonna have enough time to, to say <laughs> what I got to say to you but uh, more than anything. I'm grateful that you allowed yourself, and this is the last thing I'm going to be mushy about, by the way, okay? So, because I, I, I get mushy too quick. I want to be grateful to you for allowing yourself to be that miracle because your life is a miracle. A lot of people expect, you know, miracles to be physically or, or you know, looking at you gives me the motivation that I have been needing for such a long time. 
And I know that the people that are listening to this, they, because I grew up in, a, in here in Oklahoma City, and I know you didn't, but there was a lot of gang-related issues when I was growing up. And I had a lot of reasons to to say, oh, you know, I could I could have joined a gang or I could have done this or that because it, it, it's easier. Like you said, your circumstances made it easier for you to just do that because, you know, it's quick money, easy. And you had friends around you that, you know, there were, you know, your friends, you know, and, and sometimes picking that lifestyle is easier. But looking at you, I feel like you are a walking miracle that we can look at you as a testimony and look at you and say, man, you had so many circumstances against you. And and I'm over here complaining about like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm 33 and I don't want to do this. Like, boy, shut your mouth. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just just this is a, a, a batch of fresh air. To have you on board and to have you share your story because it is, especially in our Latino communities, I feel like we don't get to see that often to to be able to look at somebody. Like you said, when you were going through all those stages, it was harder probably because you didn't see anybody around you that was just like you. You didn't see anybody around you that had maybe your skin tone or or, or your your hardcore family foundations or, or your traditions, you know, and by you being that miracle, I feel like it allows us to become free of ourselves and say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go ahead and quit my excuses. I'm going to go ahead and quit whatever literally little issues that I have and say, you know what? I can pursue that and I can see that and I can definitely look up to him to say, I can do it. Does that make sense? And I appreciate that, Tony. I have to tell folks, I say, uh, you know, God, performed a miracle in my life. And, you know, it's it's wild because he, of all people, he sent somebody from behind the bench, like a does. Like, it's wild, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, we have to be willing to be a piece of clay. Yeah. You with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got to be willing to put in the work, willing to, you know, um, ignore the distractions, right? Yeah. And just stay focused. I mean, I've had to lose some people on the way. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you, you know, yeah. uh, you know, we wake up every day and we love everybody in our circle, but you know, not everybody's coming into that next season. Mm. You know, I mean, it, it, you got to decide what, you know, where you're going. So. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate sure. it. 100%. Okay. But yes, uh, we have to let you go. But before we do, we do have a couple of questions, personality Uh-oh. questions. You're going to be in the Uh-oh. hot seat there. <laughs> We get to interrogate you for a little bit and see, hopefully, you know, I'm just kidding. These are easy questions. Okay. <laughs> and I feel like you already answered this, but where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? You know, I really want to hone my skills. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, in brief, I want my legacy as a lawyer um, to, to you know, obviously, uh, as, a, as a criminal defense, as a trial attorney, um, you know, I want to be remembered as one of the best to ever do it, especially in the city of Detroit, the city of which I love. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to be limited to practicing law. I think that's, you know, uh, you know, I feel like in yesteryear, people did so many things and they they did them effectively. I definitely, uh, you know, want to start working on writing a book. Um, you know, I wouldn't even mind. Um, you know, sharing our story in some type of documentary form. I want to affect people. Yeah. You know, if I keep one young man out of prison just by talking on your show, I did my job. Mm-hmm. Right? 
if I inspired one parent to, you know, essentially chase their dream that they had, you know, uh, put to the side during when they had their first child, I did my job. You know, I went through this as a, um, essentially as a, as a single parent, you know, battling with a number of uh, parenting issues, you know, with my, with the co, you know, with, with the, um, you know, with the mother, et cetera. I mean, this, I have, there's so many facets to what took place. I mean, yeah. I went through season, seasons of hot and readies. Um, you know, I'm thankful for the champagne and the, and the, and the, and the lobster. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you don't, but I would have never appreciated it had I not gone through the seasons of hot and ready. Right. Yeah. The tea and butter, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to go where I can be most useful in the sense of you might find me next month in Oklahoma City if I receive your invite speaking to, you know, a group of, of, of things. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I want I want to be led in a sense of I feel this is where God wants me. I'm willing to go. Right. Yes, sir. But that's where I'm at, Tony. Awesome. And you always have an invitation to Oklahoma City. Oh, yes. You are more welcome to come. You can stay here in my house. I'll give you my room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me tell you something. And I don't, I don't know. We spoke a little bit earlier. I both, you know, whether I don't know where you're at as far as native speakers or whatnot, fluent speakers. But, you know, it's always been something that internally, I think, is especially Chicanos, you know, uh, that weren't raised. Uh, with, you know, is 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 with Spanish in the household. Mm-hmm. It's always something that, you know, it bothers us at least a little bit. And don't let them tell you it doesn't, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's not that we don't want to, you know, embrace and love and you know be part of this community, and whatnot. It's you know, it's it's kind of like you know the Selena piece. You know, mm-hmm. you're two Mexicans. You're two Mexican for Americans. And you're too American, American for the Mexicans. You know, and it's just, you know, it's something that, you know, I've been working on my Spanish my whole life. Yeah. But I'm not going to let it keep me from my people. You know what I mean? Yeah. We are who yeah. we are. And, you know, I guess, sir. You know, our, our bloodline predates the Spanish language, in fact. But I don't, you know, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's just like I tell people, you know, we're not a particular skin color. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we're we're a bloodline. You know, yeah. we we come from Aztec warriors. We're mm. you know we're Latino. We're Mexican. Yes, so, sir. Next question: What is your favorite movie? Man, you guys gonna put me in the hot hot seat? <laughs> you know, I'm a I, I like action films. You know, especially um, uh, a lot of the older uh, gangster flicks. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm number one. I'd ha- I'm sorry, don't get mad at me, professional folks. But I, I like Scarface. You know, I grew I grew up. That's Watch a Scarface, and it's probably still my favorite movie. Yep. Um, you know, um, there's a lot of seconds and thirds, but that's probably my favorite movie. Um, you know, um, El Pacino and Scarface. I always look at El Pacino as Tony Montana. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. Okay. What scares you? Oh, man. Um, parenthood is scary, man. You know, I just want to be the best father I can be. Mm. You know, if, if I'm successful, but my kids aren't and, and what is success, right? It's just this huge discretionary barometer, mm-hmm. you know, but if I'm, you know, don't pass this on to my children, um, I failed and all this was in vain. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to see them be the best them. Yeah. I want them to exceed me a thousand fold. 
Um, you know, from a a human point of view, that's my biggest one of my bigger fears. Yeah. Um, from a spiritual point of view, just you know, pleasing the Lord, standing in, in God's will, and you know, moving in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, um, I just want to share something with you that I have learned in my therapy. As as parents, we we show our kids wrong from right. But at the end of the day, they still make that decision they want to make. And yeah. so we just, no, you're right. we, 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 we as parents have to guide, we guide them, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something I have learned because uh, I mean, I, I'm full, like, I'm full Mexican. My parents both migrated from the United, from the United States, <laughs> from Mexico, <laughs> from Mexico. And so I, for the longest time, I am, I just turned 25 and for Probably for 23 years of my life, I have lived my life doing doing whatever I could to please my parents, you know? And so I finally started living my life for me, for myself, not for my son, but for me. And yeah. so we, and so now I'm trying to learn how to parent and, you know, I, I told my therapist, I want to teach Julian. He was like, hold on, you can't teach him. You have to, you, you guide them, you show them wrong from right. But if they want to keep making that wrong mistake, making those wrong choices, that's on, that's, that's up to him. He was like, and the example that he gave me was a a single mother. And I think you can relate to it. You know, a single mother doesn't teach their children how to sell drugs, how to kill, how to do all this criminal stuff, you know, how to be, you know, a mother doesn't teach you that. That's just what you, that's what they choose to do. That's what you're, you know, you as a child, that's what you choose to do. But you know, that's not what the mother taught him. And so, and it's just true. And I just, I don't know. I just don't want you to, to beat yourself up for it. If your children do choose to do that. Um, but I pray, I pray for you and I pray for your children to, to just be successful. I mean, you made it a long way and I know your children will too. It, it no, might no, take, that, it might take a no big way. heart. It might, they might fall hard on the ground before they get back up and realize, you know, like, dang, my dad was right, you know? And <laughs> sometimes that's just, that's just what it takes. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? I appreciate that a hundred percent, man. And yeah, my mom, she, she taught me right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, you know, went left field and did my own thing, but ultimately I came back home because of that seed that you planted. Yeah. And you know, my, my, my children, you know, they're, like I said, my oldest son, he's struggling in some of, some of the things that I did. Mm-hmm. My daughter though, she's, uh, interning in our firm now. And you know, that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy with that. And I'll tell you, or I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I was able to open that door for her. Yeah. Cause I didn't have that door. Yeah. You know, and we talked earlier about the lack of. Latino professionals, you know, that, you know, I, that I encountered coming up and, you know, I just don't want her, I want her to know that door is open if she chooses that law path. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. 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 Enough of the, 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 the. Mushy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I gave a lot of that. How do you show love to yourself? Man, you know, I feel like I'm like. Right now, I just jumped in, so I'm like so passionate and so you know eager to, to um, you know get in the court and just do you know today obviously I was in court, so you know I have been having to you know take some time to myself and just relax you know, mm-hmm. um, 
a lot of times I just put on jazz music and just relax, you know? Yeah. And just, um, I really enjoy sometimes listening to just jazz music because it's like it, it, you create your own lyrics and just relax, you know? Mm, yes. Um, you know, I, for my uh, birthday coming up, I do have a little getaway plan. But, you know, you have to take some R&R uh, personal time because oh, yeah. this is a profession where people burn out, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but it's a lifestyle, just like that old lifestyle was a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, even like for your significant other, if they're not familiar with the lifestyle, you know, they might want to be acquainted with it. I guess a 24-7 lifestyle. I get calls often in the middle of the night and I have to go do emergency care business. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just something that you, um, you know, learn to adjust to. But yeah, just, uh, just uh, you know, so, uh, the gym, I like to, you know, a lot of times just go and lift weights and put on the music and relax. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of takes me away from everything. So for sure. No, I can imagine. Yeah. Okay. Who are the three most influential people in your life? Yeah, and I want to you know, I've got a few more than three, but I'll try to keep it to keep it uh mm-hmm. to three. My grandfather, man, you know, at this age, you know, I, I you know, I appreciate them ass whippings. <laughs> I do. You know, I appreciate it. You know, the I still won't walk on my neighbors long. Yeah. I won't do it. You know, because I know better. Yeah. Mm. You know, it was that period of time where me and grandpa quit talking is where I saw, you know, um, you know, elsewhere. Right. Because yeah. um, although my father wasn't in the home, I was my grandfather was my role model at a very early age. You know, mm-hmm. he uh, taught us judo. Um, I still, um, you know, practice judo. It's It's our family sport. And. You know, it's where kind of all the cousins and my grandfather still meet up mm-hmm. every Saturday, right? So I, I, my grandfather, man, he taught me to work ethic. Um, my mother taught me about our faith. You know, the judge taught me how to pay it forward or that that was my duty and responsibility uh, to pay it forward. And my Perkins Law, they taught me about team, yeah. you know, the, the true definition of team. You know, I've never had people love on me uh other than the Lord, so unconditional, so unconditionally, man. You know, I came to them as a broken vessel, and you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, they showed me nothing but love and support. You know, it's a, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. When you, when you, when you think about where you practically, like lawyers and practicing law, uh, the 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 firms assume that you know how to do the work, that you have the skill. You went through years of school, etc. Right. That's the bar. It's really. A large part of it, not all of it, but a large part of it is a social fit, mm-hmm. right? And we're a family, and I'm where I'm supposed to be. That's awesome. That I'm is happy awesome. for you. Yeah. I want to ask, what advice would you give someone? Anything. You know, yeah, like I said before, you know, you, you have to find your purpose. Pursue, find your purpose and pursue your purpose, right? Pursue your purpose, you know, um... If, if, if you're if you if you're dealing with pain like I was dealing with pain, you know, turn it on them. Turn your pain into passion, man. You know, let your liability be your asset. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I'm still a felon, and people come up to me and say, "But you got an expungement, right?" No, I didn't. You know, I wasn't eligible when I sought one. They recently changed the law. I'd like to believe that some of that was due to, you know, the pain that I took up there to the state house that eventually trickled into a bill. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But the moral of the story is at this point, you know, 
I turned my liability into an asset. I turned my pain into passion. And, you know, I pursued my purpose. And I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. You know, wow. so I can tell you, do not, do not stay stagnant. Do not let, you know, your, your current position, your past, growing up with all the bad pops in the house. Mm-hmm. And side note, you know, my pops, I hadn't, saw, I hadn't seen him since I was a little kid. You know, we've even reconnected. Uh, you know, he reached out to me on the book one day, you know, apologized for all these years of absent being absent. And even as a grown man, you know, man, I, you know, we still we still need that, you know. And I mm-hmm. obviously set aside all the anger I had. And, um, you know, we do lunch every, every probably two or three months. Mm-hmm. You know, and I try to be compassionate in the sense of when I talk about not having a father in the house, you know, I know that may pain him. And so I try to be speak about it, you know, uh, with, you know, some sort of, you know, understanding that, considering that. Yeah. And, and I often, and I even have acknowledged to him, you know, I, as a father, now I understand that, you know, remaining in the household when things aren't culture is not always, you know, feasible. Yeah. yeah. So I understand, Pops, right? But. You know, at the same time, I have to be honest and truthful and provide a real backdrop and story for individuals that are going through it. I mean, you know, I, I understand how that may pain him, but I, you know, you have to be honest because you're talking about, you know, you, there's people listening to you that may change their lives. Like, I'm going through that too. Yeah. And if he did it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. So I I was going to ask you a question during uh, your story, but I, I really didn't want to interrupt because you were on a roll. <laughs> Uh, but have you now that you're a, pra- uh, a practicing lawyer? Have you have you seen a, a client that you identify with that you saw yourself through them? Like, man, that was me sixteen years ago. Yeah, you know, I've only been in the practice not even two months yet. So, but I have been working, you know, side by side with practicing attorneys for you know. Uh, it's been a while, wasn't it? Close to five years now. Yeah. yeah. So at least four. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I've we, we've dealt with a number of clients. There's some there's actually many that I've identified with. I have to say that the majority of my clients, you know, they're, they're you know, they, they they do remind me of me, especially in the sense of a lot of them that are, you know, just trying to feed their family and get a little money and, and they are stuck in their ways. They don't know any other way yeah. because they've been doing this so long. They know they're doing wrong. But it's, I mean, there's like all these barriers. And again, not every, it's, it's hard to explain. Not everybody's prepared to go through that season of hot and ready's, man. Yeah. You know, you might, you might lose your significant other. You might lose your friends. You might lose, there's so much that I've, that I've lost along the way. But ultimately, you know, it, 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 it was for, it made me a better person, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in a bad place, man, yeah. you know, but a lot of people, you know, you have to make sacrifices. It's a sacrifice. But the question, do I see myself in a lot of, of our clients? I do, you know, and again, most of them are inherently good people. Some of them made a, a one bad mistake. Some of them are caught in a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I don't run into too many people that are just inherently, you know, uh, bad characters. Um, but, you know, I'm sure they're out there. Uh, but I but I don't run into them frequently like that, no. Yeah, yeah. Man, Mr. Edward, thank you. We want to thank you so, so much for doing this. You have no idea. This means 
the absolute world to us that you were able to stop on by and uh, share your story with with our with our um, listeners. With our listeners, yes, because I, I know for a fact this is gonna bless somebody, and, yeah. and and that that is the reason why we wanted to have you on. I just like I know that this because I know when I heard it, it was like, man, it, it was just such a blessing to hear your story. So thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Before I jump off, real quick, where did you hear uh, my story originally? I heard it on CBS, I believe. I don't know if it was like CBS this morning or something like that. I I heard it randomly. Yeah, I heard it randomly. And I could even be talking about the show wrong. Like, it's probably some other show on CBS. I don't know. I I thought it was in like one of these Latino uh, uh, Facebook groups. That's I don't know why. No, no. I I saw it on the news because I I don't watch TV. Honestly, if I watch anything, it's just like, you know, uh, streaming services. So I don't watch TV. But somehow I went to my sister's house and my mom's house and they had it on and they never have it outside, you know, Telemundo and stuff like that. So I was surprised. To, that they had it changed but anyway i saw it and i was like what and i i only caught your name and somehow like maybe two days later after that your name popped up again on my facebook feed like yeah, it came up right. as a story that i may have not heard or something and then that's when i read the whole story and i was like oh wow okay and i took a long shot i was like man i want to do it i want to do it i want to do it i really want to do it let's see if he answers back and you did, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, that was just like the day you entered back." I was like, Ew. "Yeah, I jumped for no, joy." I pre- hey, man, I appreciate it. I'm just a regular guy, but I want to tell you a couple quick stories before I go, and I'm gonna yeah. start sticking. I told my grandpa I was on CNN, you know, all these other big name media places, mm-hmm. Washington Post, Today Show. That was one of the big inside. Right? And when he found out I was on Telemundo, man. He was, he was, you know, he wasn't thinking about no CNN. He was, you know, he, he, he was, I was like, man, you know, <laughs> Telemundo, right? I'm like, you know, that's, um, you know, that's the Catalina big... wine mixer, man. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's awesome. But, um, yeah, man, I'm just, uh, I'm grateful, thankful. You know, every day is another adventure. Uh, if I can be of any, any assistance, man, reach out to me. Uh, you know, just obviously, you know how to get a hold of me, but, you know, um, Thank you, guys. I appreciate it greatly. No, we appreciate you so much. So, so much. You have no idea. This is the best. Yeah, Simply, no. simply, this is a delicious treat to us. Like, you have no idea. Hey, before I let you go, I want to tell you I love the name of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I, I, I just want to say this won't be the last time we see you or speak to you. And I just, I can't wait to see you. what's in store for you. I know you're going to, you're going to do a lot. And I'm excited. You know, just... In your community, but especially in the Latin community, I'm um, I'm excited for you. Yeah, you're gonna thrive. Well, I appreciate that. You know, just uh, prayers. Um, you know that I'll be received. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and before I, you know, sign off, when I people always ask me, especially Latino people, want to know, you know, is that like my married name or or I'm not married name, but you know, like for your father's name, mm-hmm. right, or something? Because it's not a tradition. It's not a Latin name. No, it's not. But it's you know, there's a lot of, of Martels in Texas, and that's where our family's originally from, like northern Mexico, southern Texas, before the border actually moved. Oh. Right? So instead of conquered by the Spaniards, they were conquered by the French. Yeah. Right? And so that is uh, essentially our Latin name, even though it's not a Latin name. Oh, and so, okay. So, my- so 
Or were are both of your parents Mexican, Hispanic? What's no, my, my father is not Mexican. Oh, okay. Right. My my Martel's my mother's maiden name. Oh. Since she wasn't married, obviously. But my uh my grandmother's surname is Diaz. Okay. So my but my grandfather, I mean, there's generations of Martels. Right. Um, you know, my, my family, I got family down in uh, Dallas, San Antonio. Potit is a little town down there by Laredo, uh-huh. where a lot of my uh family lives. So yeah, I mean that's um that's our name, you know. Some people say Marte, but it's you know it's Martel, right? Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, man. Hopefully, just pray that uh you know our people will receive yes, everything yes. I have to share with them, including uh you know just love and uh telling um everything I can. So no, no yeah, thank you so much. And I was gonna ask you about that last time, but I was like, I don't want to ask. I feel like that's a rude uh, question. Man, hey, <laughs> Tony, I'm an open book, man. You know that's why I love these type of shows, right? It's, you know, it's just uh, we're just regular people, man. Yes, yes sir. Don't let the soup, don't let the soup for you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a friend of the show. Yes. Please come back anytime you'd like. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. Like, hey, I want to make another appearance. Just feel free to do that. Uh, you're more well, than welcome to come back anytime. I appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, when this book drops, uh, you know, we'll come around uh, for, yes. for a second. Yes. Right. That'd be awesome. Yeah, We're but, excited for it. Yeah, but thank you again so much. And listeners, thank you for listening. And I hope that this was such a blessing to y'all as it was, as it was, as it was to <laughs> us. And thank you for listening. And until the next time. Bye.